for a time with Mama G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far. It's story time. Story time. Story time with Mama G. Hello everybody, Mama G here, and welcome to my storytelling podcast, Storytime with Mama G. We're in for a real treat this week, because not only do I have one of my rather fantastic stories, but I've got an interview, as well as a book of the week, you lucky people. But first, it's time for my story, which some of you might have heard um, already. I love telling it, and when I tell it in libraries, or whenever I tell it at one of my story times. We use a bit of BSL, which is British Sign Language, and in the next few days, I'll post a video of me doing that so you can do it as we go along. So this is the story, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Roar. Little Roar was a dinosaur, the smallest you could imagine. But he wasn't terribly fearsome, though, which was terribly out of fashion. And he wasn't really called Little Roar. He was really called T-Rex. But rather than bite and tear things apart, he liked to cuddle other T-Rex's necks. And some dinos thought this funny. Oh, they thought him really strange. They thought, you can't be cute, you dummy else the history books must change. But our tiny dino friend thought nothing of it for a while. He'd bounce and skip and jump and hop. Oh, being cute doesn't half make you smile. And Mummy Rex did her best to ensure that Little Roar never found out his name was mean. She'd sing him a rhyme every time the truth came close to being seen. And it goes a little bit like this. Twinkle, twinkle, little roar, how I love you more and more. Up above the sky so high, you're the apple of my eye. Twinkle, twinkle, little roar, how I love you more and more. Now as little roar grew up, the name grew with him too. But soon it wasn't just a name. It was who he was to boot. He became quiet, shy. And by the by, the other dinos never saw him. In fact, he became so invisible, you couldn't even say that they ignored him. But Mummy Rex wasn't worried. She knew he was her little star. And she knew that sometimes it takes a little time to work out who you are. Well, years went by and nothing happened, then one day, just like that, a new T-Rex family moved in next door, and the mum wore outrageous hats. Little Rex swore he had never seen anything so delightful. Mummy Rex wasn't keen. She thought them obscene. In fact, she thought them frightful. But there was no denying. These hats were a millinery miracle in action. They'd unleashed something in Little Roar. You could say a millinery passion. Little Roar spent hours recreating all the hats his neighbour would have on. 
and then he'd host a fashion show and invite all the other dinosaurs along. Some would come to laugh and point, and some would take the mickey. But some would find that very soon, getting in was very tricky. And after a while, Little Roar realised. He no longer heard the other dinos snigger. Thanks to his neighbour and her funny hats, his Little Roar was getting bigger. And his hats became so popular, he opened a store that bore his name. The hats went flying off the shelves. Little Roar had a claim to fame. Now, the lady dinos loved his hats, but the men were much less keen. Little Roar wore them, of course, but pause. What has he just seen? At the latest fashion show, something amazing has just happened. A boy Rex has walked in wearing a hat, and it's one that Little Roar fashioned. Well, of course, they talk and have a chat. And, of course, the talk is all about hats. They smile and laugh and have a little flirt. Well, why not? Flirting never hurts. And then they realise this could be something. Who knows what or even for how long. But Little Roar has a feeling. And that feeling's really wrong. Mummy Rex looks on. She can't believe what she is seeing. But gosh, it makes her proud. Whoever thought that one day her Little Roar would roar so loud. She sees him there fully formed, finally knowing who he is. He's the star that she had born, but all the burning bright is his. And now the name Little Raw has faded. Oh, it's faded, oh, so far. Because when you work out who you are, you'll twinkle, twinkle like a star. was the story Twinkle Twinkle Little Raw. Now in my interview you'll hear me ask uh, Jane Porter whose book The Boy Who Loved Everyone came out last week. In my interview with her you'll hear me ask where she gets the inspiration for her story and I thought I would be fun to tell you where I got the inspiration for Twinkle Twinkle Little Raw. A bit of name dropping here but I was at the National Darling. I was in one of the dressing rooms because I was working there and I was talking to an actor that I was working with and she said that she'd been in a show about dinosaurs and at one point her scientist character had to help a dinosaur go to sleep and she sang Twinkle Twinkle Little Star to it and I said wouldn't it be funny wouldn't it be funny if you'd actually sung Twinkle Twinkle Little Rawr because that's the sound that dinosaurs make, I imagine. And then I was thinking about this a few days later, and I refined it to Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Roar. And then when I was on a train to Exeter to do a story time at the lovely Exeter Library, shout out to the library in Exeter, uh, I wrote it, and it just came pouring out of me. And that's when I realised I must be onto something with this story. But anyway, enough about me. This isn't about me. It truly is. It's not about me. Because now it's time for my interview with the rather gorgeous Jane Porter, the author of The Boy Who Loved Everyone and the author and illustrator of lots of other wonderful books. Enjoy. 
Hello everybody, so I am here with lovely Jane Porter, who is an author and illustrator, and Jane is going to talk to us about her book, um, which has just come out, and it's my recommendation of the week, and it is called, what's it called, Jane? It's called The Boy Who Loved Everyone. The Boy Who Loved Everyone. Oh, and Jane, also say hello to everyone. Hello everyone, and hello Mama Jean. Hello Jane, it's so lovely to be here. Thank you for having me in your gorgeous house. It's stunning. Um, so, first of all, uh, you're not the only person who wrote the book, are you? Who, well, who illustrated the book? It's illustrated by Maisie Paradise Shearing. Maisie Paradise Shearing. It's a gorgeous name. I'm a little bit jealous of that name. Oh, absolutely. And is that her real name? It's not a stage it name. It is her real name. Oh, how wonderful. Mm. Um, so, what is The Boy Who Loved Everything about? It's about, it's inspired by a real boy. Every week I go and do an art class at a local nursery and about three years ago there was a little boy there, he was a Greek boy and he used to say I love you to everyone all the time. He'd say it to the other children, he said it to the teachers, he said it to me and it was very, very touching and heartwarming but what I noticed was that um, nobody quite knew how to respond. And they sometimes looked a little bit embarrassed about it. So I thought, what would happen if he went home and felt a little bit sad about that? And I wrote a story about it. Oh, wonderful. And how does he feel about it? He, he's a bit despondent because in my version of the story, he tells everyone he loves them, even the school guinea pig, oh. even the tree, oh. even the ants, and nobody says it back. And when it's bedtime, he says it to his mum and she says it back. But in the morning, he says he doesn't want to go to school. But his mum is able to show him, she persuades him to go, and as they walk to school, they see everybody they saw the day before, and she shows him how his words have made them feel a little bit kinder and happier and better about themselves. And then it's story time at school again, and the teacher says she loves everyone. Oh, that sounds absolutely gorgeous. So basically, the story is about showing that there are lots of different ways to tell people that you love them and lots of ways that you can respond to being told That's that someone exactly loves you. exactly it. But the thing that they've all got in common is that it's worth doing and it makes a difference. Absolutely. It makes the world a better place. Absolutely, because love is... It's such an easy thing to, to share and to give and to offer and there it are so is, many ways to show yes, it. Yes, it costs nothing and it gives so much. Absolutely, how, how wonderful. Uh, and it, the story's based on a, a real-life nursery that you visit. That's right, I go there every week. I've so just have, been there this morning. Oh, you went there this morning? <laughs> yes, I did. Have you read the book to them? I have. I read it to them last week and they were very, very excited. And they looked at all the details in Maisie's beautiful pictures and they spotted the ladybird cushions, just like the ones they have at, at nursery. And they were looking at all sorts of tiny things. There were little cars in the picture. And they said, we've got those, but we haven't got those. We've got one like that, but we haven't got one like this. And uh, what's lovely is that Maisie came to the nursery and did lots of sketching. And all her sketches have made the artwork in the book very, very authentic and just like the real nursery. Even the teacher in the picture book is exactly like the real teacher. And the children spotted her straight away. Oh, that's incredible. So... You writing a book um, based on this nursery is sort of your way of showing the nursery how much you love them and how it much you is, love visiting. It, it is exactly that, and I did put that in my dedication. Oh. And what was lovely, actually, last week when I read them the story was when it was time for me to go, 
they all came over and hugged my legs and said I love you to me. Oh, that's incredible. So you got to see the impact that your work is having firsthand. I did. How I did. Gorgeous. Um, so, uh, talking about nursery, and I assume that a lot of my listeners to my podcast are children themselves and yes. their parents, of course. What was it like for you being little? What were you like as a little girl? Oh, well, I was very quiet and mm. shy. And I was never happier than when I was making things. So I really, really liked sewing and drawing and making little books and things like that. I even used to, one thing I remember really clearly is finding a dead bee in the garden. This sounds a bit strange. Right. But I made out of sticks and leaves, I made a little sort of temple for the dead bee. So I used to <laughs> love doing that sort of thing. That's amazing. That's very creative. Mm. Sounds gorgeous. And when you were little... Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I used to like watching Blue Peter. Of course. And I wanted to be the person that made the things that they made on the programme. Oh, wonderful. I didn't want to be on the programme. <laughs> I wanted to be behind the scenes well, inventing the It's never occurred to me, but somebody must... Of course. Somebody must yeah, make them yeah. beforehand. Anthea Turner can't just make Tracy's Island <laughs> exactly. out of nothing, can exactly. she? When, when you were watching Blue Peter, what was your favourite thing that they ever made? What inspired you the most? Oh, that's a tricky one. I, oh, I'm sorry to say I can't actually remember that. <laughs> that was my favourite bit of the programme without doubt. Of course. I loved that and I still think, here's one I made earlier. Oh, is that wonderful? And I still like to say rubber solution glue instead of copy decks. <laughs> oh, is that what they used to have yeah, to say Yeah, they weren't instead? allowed to say any brand well, names. Funny. I remember when I used to watch Blue Peter, the one thing I'd wait for every year was Pancake Day. Mm. Because I, they used to make pancakes on Blue Peter. I don't know if yes. they still do. And I remember I one year, there was one of the presenters was very, very bad at making pancakes. Oh, and <laughs> my mum just watched in disgust at this pancake going terribly wrong. Did they keep going on the floor? They kept, oh, they, they ended up in little balls. Oh, they were on the floor no. everywhere. And That's I, funny. it was so much fun to watch my mum get crosser and crosser about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so uh, what did you want to be? When you were little, did I just ask you that question? It, you did. I did. Oh no! You did. That's very good. Well, I am listening to the answers, and that's what's very important. So, you wanted to be something creative. Yes, I did. I did. Um, so, how did you become an author and an illustrator? Um, well, I didn't become an author or an illustrator straight away. When I grew up, I um, got a job on a magazine that was about horticulture. Oh. So I used to go and interview people who. Um, ran garden centres or nurseries, the other sort of nursery that grows plants <laughs> have gone from one sort to the other. I even did a whole series of interviews with groundsmen. Okay. So those are the people that look after football pitches and make sure the grass is in good condition. Very nice. I went to interview the young groundsmen of the year once in Wales and it snowed so much I was stuck, snowed in. Oh no. For several days. Um, so that was a really nice job and I did other jobs to do with gardens and landscapes and things and then when I was a bit older after I'd had my own children I went back to art school and decided I wanted to be an illustrator instead. Oh wonderful and how did becoming an author get added to that? Uh, well I suppose I was writing all the time I was on the garden magazine so in a way it should have been more obvious than it was but <laughs> I, thought, well, I wanted to do something completely different I illustrated other people's stories and then I just started thinking of my own it felt quite natural to do that oh wonderful and what was the first story that you created yourself um well the first one i mean i've created many that have never seen the light of day <laughs> which is probably true for most people who are authors and illustrators but the first one that was actually published was a board book called this rabbit that rabbit okay 
which doesn't really have a story as such. It's only got about 12 words, but it was based on our pet rabbits that we used to have who were called Hoppy and Marmalade. Wonderful. Hoppy and Marmalade. Where did those things Well, I can guess where Hoppy came from, but where (laughs) did Marmalade come from? Well, Marmalade was a rescue rabbit and she was already called Marmalade when we got to her. But she did look, she was sort of black and brown and orangey. Yeah, she looked like Marmalade. Did she like Marmalade? No. (laughs) Oh. She didn't have any teeth, actually. Oh. We had to give her um, things that, yeah, she Mm. couldn't eat a whole carrot, you had to grate them. Oh, no. Oh, Hoppy must have been terribly jealous seeing (laughs) Marmalade get her carrot served (laughs) up in such a fashion. No, it's a very kind-hearted rabbit. Oh, good. How lovely. Um, So, you created uh, this rabbit and that rabbit, inspired by Hoppy and Marmalade. Yeah. What other characters have you created? Well, then, the the first book that was a proper full-length story, in picture book terms, was Pink Lion. Oh, and I love Pink Lion. I know you do. So I'll tell you a little bit about where Pink Lion came from, and it's from the same nursery as The Boy Who Loved Everyone. So I was doing my weekly session. We made some pictures of robots, and all the children sat down for the story, and I said, can you guess what today's story's going to be about? And I thought they'd all say a robot. And one little boy said, a pink lion. And I've no idea why he said that, but I immediately thought, that's a great title. I'm going to write that story. <laughs> so I did. Oh, and it's a wonderful story. And I read it at ZSL London Zoo for um, their Rainbow Families Weekend, which was amazing. And one of my favourite things about that story, which is why I love the book so much, is it's got one of my favourite birds in, ah, which is a flamingo. Yes, flamingos I are wonderful adore birds. flamingos. And I hope it, you saw the ones they've got at the zoo. I did. Every time I go to the zoo, there's two places I'm guaranteed to visit, the aquarium and the flamingos. I just adore flamingos. Yes, me too. And... Was it the colour of the flamingos that you made you put them in the story? It was, yes. Yeah. I, I had the title and I had no story, so I, I did things like I went to museums and looked at stone lions. And I, at one point I found a beautiful lion in a museum that was carved out of pink stone. And I thought, well, that could be the story. He mm. comes alive at night. But that went out of the window. Then I thought, what else? What, what would being a pink lion mean that you're different from the other lions and... Where, where, where would that lead in story terms? I thought, well, what else is pink? Flamingos. <laughs> I thought, well, it only seems natural that he'd have a family of flamingos. And it yeah. kind of grew out of that. Absolutely. Hmm. And and the way it happens in the story makes absolute sense. You don't question it. Yeah. And then, he, yes. and then he's happy being a pink lion. Exactly. That's lovely. Yes, yes. Um, and what other characters have you created? Uh, well, another story that I created that um, I'm, I'm, I'm rather pleased with is a character called King Otter. And he is an otter who finds a box of clothes on the riverbank and he puts them on and there's a crown in the box and he looks in the mirror and he says, I look splendid, I shall be King Otter. And... Um, he gets all the animals to um, make him a throne and uh, bow down before him and all sorts of things. And then he gets them to make him a golden coach. And he really, it starts off as a, a fun game, but it gets out of out of hand. <laughs> and oh. he gets too bossy, too big for his pink cowboy boots. Oh, dear. And he has to have a nice swim in the river to come back to his senses. <laughs> to cool off. To cool to off. To calm down. Yes. Uh, and he's a rather fabulous character. I have to admit, I've just had a look at the book and it's fantastic. It's very funny and has a very nice ending as well. But on Jane's table, there is a cuddly King Otter. 
and he looks fantastic. There's a cuddly pink lion as well, actually. There is. Um, but this king otter is is rather fabulous. Did you make this? I did. I made them both. You made them you both. You might notice King Otter's coat is made out of leftover pink lion. Oh yes! <laughs> oh, how wonderful! So they kind of match. That's amazing that you made them both. I like to think they're probably a little bit jealous of each other. Absolutely, because well, Pink Lion is is bigger than King Otter. He is, yeah. But I imagine that King Otter. But Otter's... he hasn't got any accessories. No, no accessories. No that's accessories true. And all. I imagine that King Otter's ego is a little bit larger than Pink <laughs> Lion's. Very much so. Um, they're fantastic characters. I just adore King Otter, and that came out this year it as did, well. Yes, it did. And you have a book about a lamb or a sheep. Uh, yes, this is one where I didn't write the story. Right. I just did the illustrations. It's called Brian the Brave. Oh, lovely. And it's about. Um, a sheep who is living very happily in a field and then other sheep come along and some of them are black sheep, some of them are white sheep, some of them are pink and blue stripy sheep and some of them have polka dots and they all, they get on well at first but then they start ganging up and saying they don't want to be with the ones who have got white wool or they don't want to be with the ones that have got curly oh. horns and they start to discriminate against each other and it all leads to trouble but Brian the sheep is the one that brings them all together. And we all need somebody like that don't we, we? Do. because we discrimination all, all is going Brian. to get us nowhere. <laughs> it isn't. Um, so before we finish a mm -hmm. uh, very big question now for you Jane. Yes. I'm going to split it into two parts. Okay. When you were little, yes. what was your favourite book or character? Ooh, um, well, uh, it, a lot of people have never heard of this book. Oh, I'm excited. Um, it's called Uncle, and the author was J.P. Martin, and it was illustrated by Quentin Blake, which is what made oh, me wow. pick it up in the first place. But it was about an elephant who was a billionaire, and he lived in um, a giant... Well, it's hard to explain. It was a kind of castle, but it was made up of lots of tower blocks and it was so big, he didn't know everything in there. And he'd go out and visit different parts of his empire and have different adventures. It was a very, very funny book. I used to love that. This sounds incredible. Yeah. And I have never heard of it, no, but we will spread quite, the word. It's quite obscure. So, remind, that's Uncle, and Uncle, who's it by? J.P. Martin. J.P. Martin, and it's illustrated by Quinton Blake. That's right. So, was Quinton Blake uh, any sort of inspiration to you yes. as an artist? Uh, without doubt, definitely. His, his work's amazing, yes, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes. Incredible. And now, the second part of the question. Yeah. As an adult, yes. what's your favourite book or character? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um... I should have planned an answer to this. Well, I should have told you I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, well, there's so many, so many good picture books coming out these days. Um, I just, an, an author and illustrator that I really, really admire is Vivian Schwartz, who's done several books about cats with okay. lovely, playful flaps. Is there a, are there cats in this book? Is there a dog in this book? They're very funny. Oh, anyway, they sound fun. just this morning I read her latest book to the class at nursery and it's called How to Be on the Moon. And they really, really liked it. It was about a little girl who's friends with a crocodile and they decide they're going to build a rocket and go to the moon. And they do. Oh, easy. And they eat sandwiches along the way and they have to make sure that when there's no gravity, they grab all the different bits. Oh, and fun. It's very clever and fun. So I, I do really like anything she does but oh, oh, too too many to mention too many but we're going to give a special mention to vivian schwartz yes wonderful well finally last question and this is mm -hmm. the most important one jane yes if people want to buy your books yes how do they do that where do they go oh, it, all, all, 
good bookshops. Of course. If they don't already have them in stock, they'd be able to get them in stock so you can ask them in on any online retailer should have them too. Fabulous. And last but not least, if people want to find out more about what you do, how do they find out about you? Oh, well, I have a website, janeporter.co.uk, and I'm on Twitter at the Jane Porter. Not to be confused with any other Jane any Porters. Other, the Jane Porter, very important. <laughs> and on Instagram, Jane Porter Illustrator. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much uh, for chatting to me, Jane. And My pleasure. Everybody go and find Jane on Twitter, Instagram, in bookshops and in nurseries. And we do all sorts of arts classes as well, do you? I, do, I teach adults illustration teach at Putney School Wonderful. of Art. Yes. Wonderful. So many opportunities to see what Jane does. And thank you so much for joining me, everyone. And I'll see you all soon. Bye. Bye. It's entry delightful that was such a lovely afternoon i spent with jane thank you ever so much for inviting me to come and talk to you about your book uh, well that's all from me today thank you so much for joining me and um, if you would like to follow me on facebook or instagram just search for at mamaji stories and also please subscribe to the podcast review the podcast rate the podcast and please share the podcast with all your delightful friends and if you'd like to see me in person you lucky people you surely can I will be at Sprouston Library in Norfolk on the 23rd of November at 11am. And then on the 24th of November, I will be visiting Pigeon Books in Southsea uh, at 2 or 2.30. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. And then looking into December, on the 10th of December, I will be at the Woolwich Centre Library at 10am for a special Christmas story time. We might even have a bit of brand new Eunice the Horse. Who knows? Thank you so much for joining me, and I'll see you all soon. Bye. It's story time with Mama G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far. It's story time. Story time. Story time.